my granny stood up in the packed theater, pointed at the screen, and said, I could have lived my entire life without seeing that. <laughs> um, and then marched all oh, of the kids out now. of the theater. Why? Ozark season four, part one drops on Netflix today, and it is a wild ride. Peacemaker is four episodes in, and John Cena is only just getting started. So for the first time in IMDb's Obsessed History, Alex and I did not agree on what we are obsessed with. Um, So we are going to talk about two things we're obsessed with this week. Yes, that's right. I'm Alex Logan. I'm Lizzie Bassett. And I disagree. Yes, he does. (laughs) Welcome to IMDb's Obsessed. This is the show that tells you the one TV series or movies we think you should be watching, except that's a lie. We have two TV series we think you should be watching this week. Yes, both acquired tastes in their own right. One, picking up in its fourth season. And, you know, if you haven't caught up to this, point, maybe it's a lot to ask to go through four seasons to catch up. But if you're an Ozark fan, you're obviously waiting for this new season. Peacemaker, on the other hand, you got to be a superhero fan on some level. You got to like James Gunn's writing. But if you do, it's a delightful treat. So anyways, we're both going to present our cases for why we love these shows. There will be no yucking of each other's yums or anyone trying to say that the other show isn't good for any reason. We just want to present a case of why you should watch these and hopefully you agree. So we actually asked you guys on Twitter, between three of our favorite shows right now, The Righteous Gemstones, Ozark, and Peacemaker, which you were most excited for, and not to gloat, but Ozark did take the number one spot in that poll, followed by Peacemaker. So I think that means that we will start with Ozark today. For the record, you voted 62.7% for Ozark, 29.4% for Peacemaker, and 8% for what is truly, I think, one of our favorite shows ever, which is The Righteous Gemstones, which makes me sad. But I will that, come back to that. At some that point. was the show we could agree on. I would say yes. We both love Righteous Gemstones. <laughs> I'm behind on Ozark. Didn't know if I could catch up. You know, so we put it to you, and we're going to talk about both instead. Yes. So part one of season four of Ozark drops on Netflix today. It's seven episodes. Now there is going to be a part two of this fourth and final season. However, we don't know exactly when the release date of that is yet. I believe we're looking at sometime later this year. Please note that yes, I have seen all seven episodes of this season twice. I will not be spoiling anything from the current season. However, I will be discussing some major spoilers from season three in the context of how they set up season four. So Please turn back now or skip ahead to Peacemaker if for some reason you're listening to this and you have not seen season three of Ozark, which that seems highly unbelievable to me. But um, (laughs) Ozark follows the Bird family, Wendy, Marty, Jonah, and Charlotte, as they are somewhat unwittingly embroiled in a life of crime as money launderers and at this point really drug dealers in their own right who wash cartel money in various businesses around a lake town in the Ozarks. So, Alex, you've seen some of season one and a little bit of this season, right? Yeah, I did. And, you know, I agree with you. I love true crime content, but I usually lean towards more the true true crime stuff and not as much of the the narrative true crime. We both love our true crime documentaries, quote unquote. But yeah, yeah, if it's on the ID channel, I will watch that. So if there's an Ozark of the ID (laughs) channel, I'm all about it. (laughs) Yes, this is a crime show through and through. Alex knows I love crime, both true crime and I I love narrative crime, I think potentially more than Alex does. Um, 
But where Ozark really sets itself apart for me, particularly in this season, is the strength of its women characters that is fully on display in season four, part one. I think, I mean, Alex, even having seen a little bit that you've seen, Laura Linney as Wendy Bird is absolutely terrifying. Um, she she rules over her roost, for sure. She is She, she takes care is, of her house. Yeah. At the end of season three, and again, here's where we're going to get into some spoilers, but she really crossed the threshold into a full-blown villain in a lot of ways. Um she chose business over her family when she literally ordered a hit on her brother, Ben, who was played incredibly by Tom Pelfrey in that season. I, I can't believe he was not nominated for an Emmy for that. That's the rift that causes their immediate family to sort of split down the middle and also Ruth, played by Julia Garner, to kind of divert from the birds as well, which is a really great setup for the beginning of this season. It, it was interesting because I didn't know where they were going to take Wendy because that is... That is such a, d- a departure mm-hmm. um, to order the death of your very sweet bipolar brother who did not deserve it at all. She's amazing. I mean, she's you know she's not likable. It is not a likable character, right. and I think I think that's a tough role a lot of times for women because it's you know even you see all these anti heroes typically played by men, particularly in like classic crime shows. You've got Walter White, you've got Justified, you have Sons of Anarchy. I mean, all all of these shows where the leads are always allowed. I mean, Tony Soprano, he kills everyone. Like, you know, they're allowed to be terrible people. You don't necessarily get that with women as much. Wendy Bird is a horrible person. <laughs> yeah, and and you mentioned Breaking Bad, Anna Gunn as as uh, yes, Walter White's as wife. Yeah, Skyler. I mean, she garnered so much hate for that role, un, undeserved yeah. for for the character, which I think was put onto the person, and you know, I, in some inappropriate ways for sure. But like, yeah, yeah it's I never hard. understood yeah, the hate of Skyler. It's hard to play those characters. It's hard to to embody that. And I, yeah, Laura Linney is pretty fearless as far as what I've seen and what she's doing. She, Really is. There's some scenes in this season with her that are really chilling. Like, mm. I, I would not want to meet Laura Linney in a dark alley. I will say that. <laughs> she'll get you. She really will. She really will. She'll get you and she'll get your entire family. And that is scary. I just imagine you walking down the street, looking over your shoulder and be like, was that Laura Linney? Huh. Was that <laughs> yeah. Laura Linney? <laughs> Laura Linney, the scariest movie monster of all time. Beautiful dimples Laura Linney. <laughs> I also want to call out uh, Lisa Emery, who plays Darlene Snell. Alex, I, I think you should be familiar with her from the bit that you've watched, but she is an absolute agent of chaos. She is so good on this show. She's so good in this season. And at the end of last season, we saw the genesis of her relationship with Wyatt, Ruth's cousin, who is played by Charlie Tahan, who is 46 years her junior. Um, and I have to say, boy, that was a tough sell, but I was on board with their relationship by the end of this season. Um, it's, it's really like, it becomes almost sweet, which if you've watched the show and you know, Darlene Snell, like that's, that's tough because she is also horrifying. That definitely someone else you do not want to meet in a dark alley. Although I'm still more scared of Wendy Bird. And then the last person I want to call out is, of course, Julia Garner as Ruth Langmore, who I want to call this now. I think she will take home another Emmy for this season. Just the final episodes, episode seven. um, I've never seen anything like her performance in that. I will not give anything away. Uh, When you get there, I think you'll know the exact scene that I am talking about. 
if Wendy Bird is willing to do anything to protect her business, Ruth is the other side of that coin who will do absolutely anything to protect the people that she loves. And if you take that away from her, uh, even though she is very small, you better watch out. (laughs) Also, a woman behind the camera for the really incredible conclusion of this season, which is Robin Wright. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, she may be coming for her directing Emmy for this one. She's shockingly never won one, which blew my mind. Um, for acting or directing, oh. which is crazy because she directed a ton of House of Cards. Oh, right. And okay. And was obviously was Land her first feature that she released recently? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah, she's really she's doing a lot, and I'm I'm really impressed by her directing, but particularly this seventh episode of this season. When I saw her name pop up, I was like, "Damn, Robin Wright, <laughs> <laughs> that was great." Um, And then lastly, I think, you know, you can't talk about Ozark without talking about Jason Bateman, who, of course, returns as Marty Bird and as the director of the first episode of this season. Of course, he's previously won an Emmy for directing, I believe, an episode of the third season. Mm. Alex, I think you recognize this as well. But this season, they're really letting a little more Michael Bluth um, in. (laughs) I mean, that's always been my hesitation with the series. I don't have a problem with it. You know, I I see Michael Bluth. I'm such a huge Arrested Development fan. And Marty Bird, Michael Bluth, it's not even that far off. They're both MPs. (laughs) But I see Michael Bluth come through when they're talking about these very serious, you know, money laundering, drug dealing schemes. And I, I mean... You know, the Blue family was doing basically up to that, at least light treason, if you remember oh, by the yeah, sure. by later yeah. later seasons. But yeah, they are <laughs> light treason. It's just this uh it's this weird parallel, you know, just vision of Michael Bluth, and I just couldn't take it as seriously. I'm sure I could get over it very easily, but being just a arrested diehard, that's that's where my reference is for him. Well, I feel like throughout the show they have very consciously resisted the sort of funny delivery that Jason Bateman normally has. Of course, I think because yeah. of what you're talking about, where they don't want people to directly associate this character with Michael Bluth. But by the fourth season, they're like, Jason Bateman's funny. Like, let's just let's just let yeah. him be funny. And there's <laughs> there's a scene uh, later in this season in the funeral home that the birds uh, own, which is pure Bluth energy. Oh, and wow. it is like... It is so funny. It is truly like if Michael Bluth had been really good at money laundering, like that's exactly yeah. that's what you're watching. Um, you know, I half expected Jay Walter Weatherman to pop up and and help him with the situation. <laughs> that's teach, why you don't the... rip off the cartel. Yes, <laughs> yes. As you as you folks may remember, of course, Jay Walter Weatherman, the one armed man who uh, taught many of the Bluth children their lessons. <laughs> that's why you always that's replace the milk. So you always leave a note. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, it's really nice to see Jason Bateman excel at both the sort of gritty, dark trauma of Ozark and really relish the couple of lighter moments he gets throughout the season because he's just one of the most gifted actors I think we have and and one of the most gifted sort of crafters of the reaction shot. Yes. Which he gets to do in this. Uh, there's also a very funny argument about DEFCON 5 with Julia Garner that that really made me laugh. No. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm so impressed by this season. I cannot wait to see the second half, which we do not have a release date for yet, but I believe it is set to release at some point in 2022. So based on where this season leaves off, I mean, it is it is an electrifying conclusion to these first seven episodes. So, man, I can't wait. A-plus work, Ozark team. That's my pitch for Ozark. And if that didn't sell you, I don't know what will. (laughs) (sighs) 
The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. All right. Well, I know this one did not get as many votes as Ozark, but I think it's still a show that you should check out. It's Peacemaker. It's Thursdays on HBO Max. The first three episodes dropped all at once, um, basically making it. They're own- doing that a lot. Yeah, it, it kind of was almost its own little Peacemaker movie. Um, I think, you know, you test the waters with the first one. If you like the cliffhanger at the end of it, you're going to jump right into that second one and then, you know, hopefully do the week to week and gain a little bit more momentum. I think it makes sense as far as like getting people invested. Yeah, it's a smart release strategy. They've they've done this on a couple of other ones. They did it for Station Eleven, notably as well. Right, right, right. And you needed the context with that one. I think for this one, too. Yeah, because they're establishing a lot. They're coming right off of the Suicide Squad movie. It's an eight part limited series. Part four premiered. Uh, last night, Thursday. And so this picks up right after the events of the Suicide Squad. The after credit scene at the end of Suicide Squad revealed that Peacemaker did not die by blood sports bullet. Um, right. And he's recovering in the hospital and basically fine, unfortunately, for everyone involved, because Peacemaker is the heel of of the Suicide Squad's original image. He's got a heart of gold, sort of. He's I mean, got a heart, <laughs> yeah. which you can't say about Rick Flagg at the end of Suicide Squad, unfortunately, oh, which is one of, one of yeah, Peacemaker's many crimes. So, yeah, the show opens with him trying to sneak out of the hospital that he was recovering in and uh, quickly getting surrounded by Amanda Waller's black ops team. They're not going to just allow Peacemaker to sneak away from his uh, 30 year prison sentence at Belle Reve. And instead, he's going to uh, have to team up with Amanda Waller's team and stop a mystery basically for them, which I don't want to ruin too much. It's called Project Butterfly. And, you know, you'll see as it reveals, I it did get to see all but the finale of the series so far. Mm. Yeah, it builds up to a lot, definitely by the end of, of the first season, but we're not going to spoil any of the major plot points of, of the season. As far as why we love it, James Gunn behind the camera, very much his voice, very much the comedy stylings that he's built up and built up for himself. Yeah, Yeah, this is James Gunn's show for sure. Without pretty much anyone telling him what he can or can't do. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) They trust Yeah. After, After the fallout and then, you know, rehiring at Marvel, DC trusted him to kind of do whatever he wanted with the Suicide Squad. And that rolled right into Mm -hmm. the Peacemaker series where he almost wrote it. He he claims at the beginning as like a sort of fan fiction, uh, just kind of like, where does this character go? And that's why he wanted to create it as well, because so many of the characters in the Suicide Squad got a full arc. Their story ended, essentially. Some of them died, of course, but a lot of them. Yeah, that's true. They changed. Ratcatcher 2, you got to see her full transformation, you know, taking on as a hero. That that story I really loved from the movie. Right. Bloodsport, same thing. Yeah. Sure. Peacemaker, on the other hand, starts a jerk, ends a jerk, uh, just with a bullet yes. in his shoulder. <laughs> and so he wanted to not entirely redeem the character, but at least find some sort of interesting, you know, background on this guy and kind of make you understand why he is such a just horrible, horrible jerk. And this kind of like dark mirror image of Captain America. I have to say, casting T-1000, aka Robert Patrick, as Peacemaker's father is such a funny family dynamic. He's so great. It really gets into the backstory of Peacemaker and kind of why he has these sort of garbage ideals. Um, Yes. (laughs) 
And yeah, they're they're really wonderful to watch together. Yeah, and Robert Patrick is definitely here to, you know, take on this dark and just twisted character and really go there yes. with it as much as John Cena does. They go deeper on why he is such a horrible, horrible human, the father character himself. And uh, Oh, yeah, he's awful. Yeah, he is. They're definitely pushing boundaries there and always with what James Gunn is trying to do. I think that... He, after, you know, the tweet fiasco, he may be a little bit more careful about the boundaries pushing, being careful not to punch down at anyone that yeah. doesn't deserve it. Uh, but this is still a very hard R show, <laughs> I will say. And the other side of what he's doing with Marvel and the Guardians of the Galaxy, this is him, you know. Uh, if his Scooby-Doo sequel was Monsters Unleashed, this is uh, James Gunn Unleashed. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but one of the main things that I love about this is the summer of Cena, John Cena himself. Uh, you thought that WWE event ended in 2021. No, I said John Cena's only getting started, and I think this is this is the honest truth about him. I was skeptical. Any wrestler that crosses over, you know, they, they don't necessarily, I mean, they have the charisma, they have the star power, they proved it time and again in the ring, but, you know, can they do comedy? Can they go there with a joke or for a joke? And John Cena, I don't know, has been proving time and again that he can. Oh, my God. There is no more committed human being to the joke than John Cena that like, I think we learned that from Trainwreck and boy, do you see it on full display in Peacemaker where he is, he is all in. Yeah. In just a pair of whitey tighties, uh, yes. singing a glam rock <laughs> sleaze metal ballad uh, by the choir boys. Yes. Just yeah. Ego, egoless, <laughs> just absolutely yeah. ridiculous. And he is not afraid to be the butt of the joke time and again. And I think that's something that is really, really funny for the show and great for the character and great for the conversation about superheroes. We've seen a lot of superhero movies. We've seen a lot of superhero shows. You know, I think that we need to push them in different directions if we're going to keep doing this forever. I think we need to start examining the superhero myth as itself and deciding, like, you know, can we keep relying on these heroes to save us? I think that's Something that's very uh, attractive and, you know, alluring and, you know, these uncertain times and when you're looking to a hero and, you know, that escapist content sometimes it's it's it can be a little bit uh, unfulfilling or just a little bit damaging, I think. And I like that he is taking the wind out of that out of their sails a little yeah. bit and, and, and making you realize that, like, if a guy started really doing vigilante justice in a Halloween costume it would be terrifying and very, very bad all yeah. around. I, I think that this show accomplishes something that we're seeing on The Boys as well, yes, which which really definitely. is that deconstruction of the idea of a superhero and and what it means to hold that kind of power. But I feel like where this deviates from The Boys in a fun way is that The Boys still, those superheroes, like, have a lot of power yes, and a lot gods. of sway. Yeah. And they're gods. Like, they have skills. This one, like, I don't know what his skills are. And it's it's just, it, he's very sort of feckless. And um, I, it's just, it ends up being charming yes. um, how inept he is at at so many things. and And also how, like, he is not exalted no, <laughs> by, no. by his peers or by like anyone. There's a great scene at what is like basically an Applebee's where he shows up in a yes. costume and his entire oh, team so clocks him and is immediately like, what is he doing? Why He's wearing the helmet at the dinner table to eat his zoodles and garden salad. Just, yeah, the, the, constantly he is the center and the butt of every single conversation. Also like it's it's that's such such a funny joke because in every superhero movie like 
The reality, if somebody walked up to you in a full-blown superhero-type costume, is it would be hilarious. Like, yes. you know, most of these costumes are not super intimidating in reality. They're, I think they would be very funny until they're just sort of unhinged. And yes. that's what this really taps into. Yeah, absolutely. Also, just want to call out some of the other people involved. Jennifer Holland is super badass as part of the team. Danielle Brooks is a yeah. just a new sh- – she's really shined. I, somebody I wasn't I, as familiar with as uh, She's Leota. my favorite on this, I think, is is Danielle yeah. Brooks. She's great. I, she's up near the top. But I got to say Freddie Stroma as, as Vigilante, the kind of yeah. like – Jeffrey Dahmer-esque, but a superhero who, if you think Peacemaker takes it too far with his vigilante justice, vigilante yeah. takes it even further and is killing people for not wearing a seatbelt and things. Um, it is it is really <laughs> a hilarious inversion of just, again, the superhero myth. Yeah, and the last thing I want to call out is the intro of this show. It is so funny, so ridiculous. It's dead-eyed dancing to a very, very over-the-top Norwegian glam metal band that sounds like it's from the 80s, but it's actually from the like mid-2000s. That's a recent band who are doing kind of like 80s throwback music. They're called Wigwam. Oh, weird. And it's uh, this just hilarious <laughs> dance number where they allow every character in the show, like from the most minor guy who played the neighbor uh to Peacemaker's father and uh, it just gets like one scene with John Cena where they yell at each other. He's there. He's dancing. He's he's showing his moves. Uh, it's a really, really, really funny intro. Um, James Gunn said that he created it because, you know, people always skip over the credits, but this actually gives you a reason to keep watching it each week. And I have. I've watched it seven times now for each it one of the episodes. It certainly does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, our producer, Ian, had a great interview with um, James Gunn and the whole cast. You can watch that video on IMDb. It's really funny. And they break down why they made it, how they made it, and then really, the most importantly, who had the worst moves of the entire cast. Might nice. surprise you. Might surprise you who it was, or probably not. I think I think you probably know. So yeah, that's my pitch for Peacemaker. And hopefully, we maybe convinced you, or maybe Lizzie convinced you to check out Ozark if you did. Tweet at us with the hashtag IMDb is obsessed, or you can always email us at obsessedpodcast at imdb.com. Uh, we want to hear from you and what you thought of the shows. Yeah, I honestly, Alex, you've sold me on watching more of Peacemaker. I am I'm willing to invest uh, a, a, at least a couple more episodes in, and I'm excited to see where it goes. And if you're telling me that there's some Michael Bluth coming through in Ozark, yeah, there is. maybe I'm going to have to watch <laughs> that too. <laughs> there certainly is. So last week, we asked you guys what your favorite survival TV series or movie is. We got a lot of really good responses, aka Ollie1903 said Alive. This is the one that keeps coming up over and over again. I, I have resisted watching this just because it looks so grueling, but Alex, you have seen it. Oh, that, yeah. Right? I watched it with my friends when we were kids because we found it, you know, oh, heard it God. was a movie about uh, a team cannibalizing each other. And uh, I thought, you know, we were all going to be these cool kids that were like, yeah, we can watch it. It won't, it won't bother us. And we all had nightmares so uh yeah i probably won't go back (laughs) okay uh at m7mdao2 sorry for butchering butchering your username said the revenant Mm -hmm. um at miss coda 216 said into the wild i teach the journalistic narrative uh itw and i show the film oh that's really interesting yeah, I, that's a great movie. Um, yeah, and if you read, it's the Crack Hour book that it's based on. Yes. That is such a great companion piece, and uh, yeah, yeah, to to understand the character and why this is an interesting subject. Yeah, makes sense for mm-hmm. a journalistic. Yeah, Walter Screen Productions said Deliverance. 
Lizzie, yes. I think you like that movie. <laughs> I love that's one of my all time favorite movies. I and uh, I will share this very briefly, but my granny did not know what this movie was about. And she took my mom and all of my aunts to see Deliverance because she thought it was a camping movie. And at the end of Deliverance, uh, which if you've seen it, you'll understand why this was a mistake. My granny stood up in the packed theater, pointed at the screen and said, I could have lived my entire life without seeing that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then marched all of the kids out of the theater. I can't imagine what scene that was during. Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, no, she made it to the end. She waited oh, all wow. the way through. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I yeah. Thought, oh, wow. No, no, no. She they made stayed. it through that scene. Okay, all right. She made it through. She yeah. had to know how to how that ended. Whew. Well, Metacritic had a really good suggestion for this one. Uh, Biodome, <laughs> the Pauly Shore oh classic. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a movie. It's a survival story. You know, I they, guess. Aren't, they aren't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to include this one for our producer, Ian, as well. Dan BCCA 2019 said Armageddon. Yes, it's a popcorn yeah. movie, but it's so over the top. And in that instance, fun. Animal crackers notwithstanding. Yeah. Yeah. The animal cracker scene still upsets me, but Ian is fist pumping in the background for Armageddon. It is one of his. <laughs> and and for movies. the animal crackers. He's also he's going ham for the animal crackers. As well. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for us. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review wherever you're listening. It really helps us. And you know what? If you post one, I will probably read it on air. So if you want a shout out, review us. Mm. Um, next week, we have a very special guest joining us. We have friend of friend of IMDb and someone who Alex and I have had the pleasure of working with for a couple of years now. Kevin Smith is joining us to talk about our favorite Sundance movies of all time as we all celebrate the Sundance Film Festival again this year from home. So please join us for that. It really is a celebration, and we love Kevin, so it's a fun conversation. You think he'll talk about Clerks? I think maybe he'll talk about Clerks. (laughs) It was kind of an important Sundance movie, huh? Yeah, it was a pretty big deal. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.